Hello, Pioneering Today podcast listeners. I'm really glad to be back with you guys. Kind of um, been crazy the first of the year and we missed a couple weeks. So welcome back to the show. And on today's episode, we are going to be talking all about bone broth. So bone broth is kind of like this new, well, it's not new, but it's very um, trending, I would say right now. Um, you might be hearing a lot about bone broth or heard mention of it. So um and I have to tell you, I feel like I'm a little late to the bone broth parade. Um, up until a year ago, I really had no idea the awesomeness of bone broth. Um, I just thought it was a good way to get more money from your meat purchases or if you're like us and you raise your own meat. Um, it was just a great way to stretch things and make it go further. And a really frugal thing to do is to make your own bone broth or stock at home. Um, and then I kind of started doing a little bit more research and reading and hearing people mention and talk about bone broth. In fact, one of the places that um, I heard about it on is I listened to the traditional cooking school by com. I listened to their podcast and I will put a link to that in today's show notes and in the transcript. And um, Wardy was doing a podcast with a lady and I cannot remember now the na- her name. But it was on bone broth and gelatin and how good it is for your body. And so the more I looked into it, I started seeing that it really supports good gut health um, among other parts of our bodies as too. So I'm not sure if all of you have seen the commercial now on TV and talking about probiotics and how a big portion of our immune system is actually linked to the health of our gut and our intestines. Um, and I had to say, I really... I laughed when I saw that commercial on TV because I'm like, okay, if the folks who are making television commercials have caught on to something, then it must be a pretty big thing. But all of you real food peeps and me, we knew it was cool way before it was mainstream. Um, So I just thought that was really comical when I saw that on TV. So if you're new to the whole bone broth thing, um, you'll soon be just as hooked as I am. And don't feel bad if you didn't know about all of the coolness um, beforehand. So You'll probably hear mention the term bone broth and stock used a lot. And I kind of used to think that they were the same thing. And they are very similar. But the basic difference is bone broth is made from mainly the bones. And it might have a little bit of meat left onto it. But it's mainly with the bones. And um, and then you can add in some vegetables to it as well. Whereas stock is made with the bones and a lot of meat left on it. In fact, sometimes um, stock, especially like chicken stock, will be made. Um, people will boil up a whole chicken and then they will take the meat that after it's been cooked, then they will take that meat off to use it in other dishes. And then they just strain out and use the liquid that has now became your chicken stock. So um, they're both pretty much interchangeable as far as cooking wise, and they both have great nutritional value to them. Um, but bone broth, and that's kind of what we're talking about today, is made, m- the majority of it is made up of the bones from the animal. Um, and so usually you do bone broth from chickens beef or fish, but I have heard of people who also do it with lamb. So um, you can do it, you know, with any kind of bones from an animal. So you want to, it's really simple to make too, which I love because I love simple things. You know, you guys are just as busy as I am. And so things that I can do simply and just kind of, that's why I love my slow cooker so much because I can just throw things in it and then come home later and then everything is just done and cooked for me. I don't have to sit there and do it all day long. 
So bone broth is really the same thing. In fact, a lot of people do bone broth in their slow cooker or their crock pot um, as well. And so what you do is you just cover the bones with water and then you can add in vegetables and herbs for extra flavor and nutrients and you let it simmer on low for a long time actually. Um, some people will do it just for you know three or four hours, but you're going to get the most and draw the most of the stuff out of the bones and get a, a much more flavorful and better broth if you let it go for at least 12 hours. And some people let it go you know, overnight for 24 up to 48 hours. In fact, there's even a method and this was the method that um, Morty on the podcast that I was mentioning to that I was listening to does the continual broth method. And so you put your um, bones and all your ingredients in the pot and then you just kind of let it simmer for days on end and you just draw out as you need some and then you add more water in until everything is depleted from the bones and the vegetables. And so a lot of people do that and let it go you know, for a week if not more until they need to add in a new batch of bones. So especially this time of year um, when a lot of people are, you know, you're making soups and you're using a lot more warm things than you are necessarily in the summertime. So I will link to that in the show notes for you if you want to check out the continuous broth method, which is really cool. Um, So this is what we do at our house and this is how we stretch meals. And I know a lot of you guys um, probably came on board and started listening to the podcast from our Great Depression era series. And so that was a really fun series and a lot of ways that people stretch their meals is to use broth. And so you will, um, what we do is I cook a whole chicken usually on Sunday because that's kind of usually the day of the week where we're all home after church and for the afternoon. And so I will usually try to roast or cook a whole chicken and you can do this with, um, you know, a, with beef roast or even fish. And so then we eat the meat from that, but we save the bones to make our broth with the next day. And, you know, this time of year, I don't know, my family's been hit with some different colds and illnesses. So if you've ever heard of people saying chicken noodle soup when you have a cold is a good thing, it's actually a really good idea. And this is kind of why bone broth is so awesome. So bone broth has a lot of gelatin and collagen in it. And collagen is good for your joints and nails, skin and hair. You've probably seen supplements in the store to take of that um, to help with that. And then gelatin is actually good for our guts. And the other thing too is broth is really easy to digest. Um, I also happen to think it tastes amazing. I love the taste of broth. In fact, sometimes we'll just have it in a cup just all by itself, just as a drink, basically. Um, And then I use broth to make a lot of my sauces and gravies, soups. um, And then I even use it in place of water when I'm doing um, like rice or quinoa or anything that you would just cook in regular old water. If you cook it with broth, it adds in more nutrients and a lot more flavor, which I really like that. So anything that I would use water in in a savory recipe, um, I'll just swap it out and use broth or stock in place of that. Um, And then so for our tips on making bone broth is one is you really want to start out with an organic pasture raised animal. So you don't want to be pulling out, you know, in traditional, not traditionally, it's not a traditional method, I should say, I should rephrase that. Um, In your thing, the animals that you're buying from the store, if you're not buying organic or it doesn't say pasture raised animal then you don't want to be pulling out, um, they can be injected with hormones and fed antibiotics, um, or, you know, GMO feed. And so 
you don't want to be pulling that kind of gunk and stuff out of the bones to then be ingesting. So we raise our own meat chickens and our own beef here. So I know exactly what went into our meat, what they were eating, how they were raised. And that, so then I know what's going to come out of it and what we're eating. So I would highly recommend that you start out using an organic pasture-raised animal um, for your broth or stock. And then this is a, a tip that um, I read about from several different places. And when you put your bones in your big stock pot or your slow cooker is to toss a, about a quarter of a cup of apple cider vinegar over the bones before you add the water and you start to cook. And so the acid helps to leach the minerals out of the bones, which we want because we want all of that good stuff into the broth. So after that, then you're going to fill up it with water and you want it to just kind of cover the top of all the bones that you have in there. And most of the time people will usually save up a couple of carcasses, uh, a couple things of bones to put in so that it has a lot of bones to draw from. And this was a tip we actually shared. I shared this on the um, our Facebook page. I was making broth and I actually was making it on our wood stove because this time of year, the wood stove is pretty much going all the time when we're home. And so it's a great heat source. And we have a wood stove we purposely put in on our wood stove that it has a cooktop on it. So I can do a lot of things on top of the wood stove cooking wise. And even when we have electricity, if it's something that's going to be simmering all day slowly, then I really like to use the top of the wood stove instead of having something plugged in. It just, that way it's free use. It's already going. It's serving a, a double purpose. So I had posted a picture on our Facebook page that I had bone broth going on the wood stove and that created some really fun conversation. Um, you guys had a ton of tips and we're sharing ways that you do it. And so it was kind of inspired actually this episode of the podcast. So that was really fun. And one of the tips that one of the readers shared with me and that I'm going to share with you guys is to save the skins of your onions and garlic to use in your bone broth. So usually the skins of your onions and garlic is something that we just throw away. You know, we don't usually cook with them. So whenever you are using an onion or garlic, take the skin and put it in a bag and just store it in the freezer until you're ready to use and them in a stock or soup. And I didn't know, I mean, I knew on fruits and vegetables that your skin has them, and especially with like potatoes and apples, that the skin has more nutritional value than the actual inside. So that's why with the apples, you always want to leave the skin on with potatoes and stuff. But um, naturalkids.com had a great article on why we should be using the onion and garlic skins as well, because the same principle, they have more nutrients. So I will link to that in the show notes. And for all of the show notes and links to all of these articles and tutorials and all that, just go to melissaknorris.com, click on the podcast button, and then they're all numbered by episode and title. So you can find all of them there, all of the resources and full on transcription of the show as well. Um, and then my other tip for bone broth is not only to save the skins of onions and garlic, which I did this morning, actually, I uh, started a little bag with the skins there is just store everything in the freezer until you have enough. I always keep a few bags in the freezer of small different odd and bits of vegetables that are going to start to go bad. And I know I don't have enough to really do a full recipe with. I will just toss them into a bag in the freezer and just kind of keep adding to that. You know, I did that with the ends of some zucchini this morning and some of the garlic and onion skins and just different things like that. Um, and that goes with my carcass and bones because I don't always have enough or I don't want to make the broth at that time right when we get done eating the chicken. And so I usually have a couple bags of different chicken carcasses or bones, beef bones in the freezer to use and save up until I have enough to make a big batch of the bone broth. Now, one of the things 
that's really um, desirable when you're doing your bone broth is to get it to gel. So it's kind of like the holy grail of broth making is when you get it to gel, you get all kinds of excited. Um, and people who are really into bone broth are kind of probably going to look like you, like you're crazy. But those that have been doing this a while, when you get a batch that gels really well, you get really excited because that means it's got a lot of the gelatin in it. Um, I actually personally find it easier to get beef broth to gel compared to chicken. And maybe it's because my beef bones are bigger and so there's a larger quantity of bones to water. But I just seem to have a lot more luck getting that beef bone broth to gel than I do chicken. Um, and if it doesn't gel then don't think that it's bad and throw it out. It's still fine. um, It still has nutrients in it and it's still good and everything like that. It just doesn't have quite as much gelatin in it. So don't be thinking if it's not gelling that it's not any good. It's still really good for you. Um, So one of the things that I noticed this last batch I did, I didn't, I only had one chicken carcass in there and it didn't really gel very well. In fact, it didn't really gel at all, quite honestly. (laughs) And so I think that was due to the fact that I only had one chicken carcass in there. So Next time, um, I will wait until I have two sets or not add quite as much water. So, um, and I also noticed too that when I cook it in the, for a longer period of time, it tends to pull out more and to kind of get more of that gelling factor. So I really do like the slow cooker like that. I don't really feel comfortable leaving my stock pot on my wood stove at night when we're sleeping. Um, one, usually the wood stove cools off quite a bit overnight because I don't get up in the middle of the night and um, stoke the fire and add more wood. So I generally just leave the, that, the stock pot on during the day when I'm at home and I have it going. Otherwise, I use the slow cooker. And the slow cooker, I do leave on overnight because I'll leave it on even when we're not home. So I've noticed that that longer cooking period tends to help too with the gelling. Um, so, you know, what you need when you're doing the bone broth is your cooked bones and or the carcasses. And with the chicken, a lot of people is the chicken feet, actually hold a lot of the good stuff in them and so you can add the chicken feet into your broth and the only thing is you know it's kind of um disconcerting I guess when you look at you see the chicken feet in the pot especially you know if your kids and you're not used to that you're gonna be like what but the chicken feet actually have a lot of, of stuff in them so that's something that um if you butcher your own we'll be saving ours when we butcher again this spring when we do our next set of meat chickens um or you can check with your local butcher and see a lot of people don't don't use them um, that much in this country. And so you'll probably be able to get a good deal if you ask your local butcher if they have any and you can get some from them. So that would be um, another thing that you could check on. So I also want to talk about on ways to preserve the broth because usually when we're making it up, you're going to be making up at least a couple quarts at a time, depending on how much, how many bones you have and how large your pot is and how much water you add to it. So depending on how much you're cooking your broth, um, usually there's more that you can use. I keep mine in the fridge for about five to seven days. um, But if I'm not going to be using it all up in that point, then I need to preserve it somehow. And you don't want to toss away all that good stuff. So I've been looking at different ways to preserve broth. And of course, there is just simply putting it in the fridge for up to a week. So if you're going to be using it right away, just go ahead and throw it in the fridge and you're good to go. And then I was on Pinterest actually, and I saw this great post and I was really intrigued by it. And so I clicked through to it and it was how to keep bone broth good in the fridge for up to six months. And it said no freezing, no canning. 
And so I was really intrigued. I'm like, well, how's that going to work? And so I clicked over to this post and it's written by Diana, who is the owner and blogger at myhumblekitchen.com. And it was really fat. In fact, I loved her site. I ended up poking through it quite a bit and, and reading and finding some really fun articles. And um, she's just a, a gal after my own heart and have a lot of similarities there. So, but her, on her post is you, and when you're cooking your broth, and this is where it's going to differ for if you're going to be canning it or if you're going to be freezing it. So when you're making the broth, um, of course, when it's all hot and liquidy, you're not going to really see the fat as much. You don't see the fat until it's cooled. And so when you're making it to can, which is another way to preserve it, and we'll get into that in a minute, you actually take the broth and then you strain it and you're going to be straining it regardless. So you can either pour it through cheesecloth. I have a fine wire mesh strainer and I just pour mine through that. And then usually you um, either can do another batch of broth with the bones if you've only done one or toss it out. But the vegetables are pretty, are pretty well spent after simmering for at least 12 to 24 hours. So I usually just toss those out. Um, you can put them in a compost pile or feed them to your animals or whatever you want to do with them. But anyways, after you have strained it, then you're going to pour, I pour mine right into the jars and stick them into the fridge. And so if they, once they've cooled, you're going to see the fat on top. And so Diana's post, and I just thought this was fabulous, is as long as you have a thick enough layer of fat all the way across the top of the jar, and of course the fat's going to rise to the top of the jar, then that fat, as long as it's completely over the top of the jar and it's thick enough, is going to seal it from the air. And so she leaves her stock, her bone broth, in the chicken for up to six in the chicken. Yeah, that was great. (laughs) Sorry, too many terms there. She leaves it in the fridge for up to six months. And so as long as that fat seal isn't punctured, then it's sealed off from air and it's being kept in a cold environment. And so it's good for up to six months. And I just thought that was great because a lot I know a lot of times, one of the reasons I don't really freeze my broth that much is because a lot of times I don't know that I want to use broth for a recipe until it's like an hour before I decide to cook it. I'm not always great at meal planning and planning ahead. So if it's frozen, I have to wait for it to thaw, which is kind of a bummer because it's going to take a little bit longer than that. Um, And so canning is definitely one of the ways that I would like to go, but I did not know about the fat layer. So the only caveat to that is you have to make sure you have a really good fat layer. And so I'm going to be linking to the notes and she goes through and has a great step-by-step tutorial, shows the fat and kind of goes into all of that. So I hope you guys go and check that post out. I thought it was really interesting and a great idea. Um, and so, of course, you can freeze your your broth. So you just want to, you're going to want to make sure. And I've read differing things on this because your mason jars, and of course, broth is a liquid. It depends on how much it's gelled, but it is liquid. And so when that freezes, of course, as we all know, liquid expands. So if you have it in your mason jars, which mason jars are fine to put in the freezer, but you have that liquid. And so I've read some people have had trouble when they bring it back out to thaw that sometimes it cracks their jars. So that's something to consider, though I know a lot of people do freeze the broth as well. And then, of course, probably one of my favorite methods of ways to do things around here, I'm a canning addict, I confess, um, is to can it. So you can can your bone broth in your stock, and then you've just got it shelf-stable, ready to go, no need to thaw it out whenever you need it. So the one um, couple things I want to point out with canning the bone broth and the chickens in the stock is it is 
non-acidic. So you do have to use a pressure canner. Even though it's liquid, you need to use a pressure canner to can it. Um, So I want to just stress that it's not safe to water bath can. And you also, because it's hard, so, you know, fat is thick and it's harder for the temperature to reach through the fat. And so when you're canning it, you need to make sure that you strain all of that fat off before you can it so that you don't have the chance of botulism or other things like that um, growing in there. So that's when you make it and you put it in the freezer so that that fat has a chance to congeal and then you just lift and skim it off before you go ahead and can it. And so I will be linking to some tutorials for that as well. And actually, um, one of my favorite sites, Simply Canning, Sharon runs Simply Canning, and she's a master canner and she uses... um, safe practices and she follows all of the guidelines. So I really feel comfortable recommending you guys to her site. So I will provide a link to that as well on the safe ways to can um, your bone broth and stock. And then another one that I thought was really fun and I thought this was ingenious is I will post a tutorial to this as well and that is to dehydrate it. Okay. And I know you guys are thinking, what? It's a liquid. Well, you can dehydrate liquids. And so essentially what you're doing is you're going to be making your own homemade bouillon. And so you can um, cook it down till it gets nice and thick, and then you're going to be dehydrating it, and you can make bouillon cubes. So I will be, um, and she actually will, she puts hers down, and then sometimes she also freezes that as well into these little cubes. But as you and I both know, it's much easier to quickly thaw out a cube of something than it is a whole quart-sized jar. So I will... Um, in the show notes, I will post a link to that as well because I thought that was quite ingenious. I had never thought of doing my own homemade bouillon at home. Um, just wasn't something that crossed my mind. So I want to definitely share that with you. And then, of course, so I really hope that you guys have enjoyed this little um, spotlight on doing bone broth. And I will also provide a link because I know most of us, when we're doing our bone broth or stock, it's usually from chicken or beef. Um, but fish, you can use fish and make a stock from fish as well. And so I'm going to, um, I have never personally done stock from fish. We do have quite a bit of salmon that we get. We're here in the Pacific Northwest and we, we live less than a mile away from quite a, a big river. And so fish is definitely something that we can actually harvest here ourselves and put up, but I've never made fish stock. Um, so if you're on, you know, if you have some rivers and you've got a lot of fish and something, don't throw away that fish and you can make stock out of it. And I will share the link as well in the show notes on the tutorial on how to make fish stock. So I thought that was really cool. So there's lots of different ways that you can make stock and really just extend out the use of what you already have. And so I would, you know, I was kind of going through the math and what it costs us to raise our meat chickens and figuring out about how much approximately it costs us per bird. And when I figure that I can take a carcass and get usually about eight cups, eight to 10 cups, kind of depends on the size of the, the chicken, um, stock out of that. You know, I figure if you're to buy organic stock in the store, you know, you're going to usually pay at least $3 a quart. And so I, you know, I was adding up the cost and when I make the stock from the chicken carcasses that we already have, you know, it really extends out, um, on how much they save us to do it at home and how much more money I'm getting out of that animal than just using it just once to eat the meat. So I really like to be able to do the broth 
the bone broth or the bone or the um, stock from the animal. It's just a great way to really extend out your cost. And I know you guys are like, like me, you know, we're all looking for ways to stretch our dollar. And so that's a fabulous way to do it and to get more nutrition into our things, especially um, when I did the quinoa, I've been cooking quite a bit of quinoa recently and using the chicken stock and that in place of water. And it adds just a lot more flavor to it. And I feel really good knowing that my family's getting more vitamins and nutrients that way. Um, and it doesn't cost me any more money. So I think that's a great tip. So I want to talk about really quick. Um, we are, and this was kind of actually, this whole episode was actually the answer to a reader question because I had quite a few people ask me, how do you do your bone broth? How do you make your stock? And so this whole episode was an answer to those questions. I got them from quite a couple different people at least. So I wanted to make sure that I share that. And I would love to have, if you're listening to this, to join us on our the Facebook page. And that is um, facebook.com backslash Melissa K. Norris. So I'd love to have you pop on over there and join us um, for lots of fun discussions and stuff like this that just kind of happen. So I'm going to talk about our verse of the week, which is one of the, the show things that we do here. And this, um, my husband and I actually were listening to a podcast on this on Sunday, and it's from Ephesians 5, and it's Ephesians 5, verse 22, and it says, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. So I'm sure many of you are very familiar with that verse. And I have to be quite honest with you. That verse usually does not sit very well with me. I am not a submissive person. It's not in my personality. and It's not something that comes easily to me. So every time I read that verse, it has always just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Um, and so we were listening to, to that verse and... You know, I was also having this conversation, not just only with my husband, who was not trying to pound that over my head in any way, shape or form. (laughs) Let's just um, get that out there. But, you know, it's really easy for us when we read the Bible to want to ignore the things that we don't want to do or we don't necessarily think that we agree with. But we either have to believe that the Bible is all God's word and that we're supposed to follow all of it. Or it kind of cancels out everything else. You can't pick and choose from the Bible what you want to believe and what you want to follow. Now, a lot of people do that, and I've certainly done that myself in the past. But really, when it gets down to it, you have to believe all of it or none of it. Um, And so I choose to, and I do believe that the whole Bible is God's word to us. And so I was really thinking on that verse and just kind of mulling it over And, you know, it's what the Bible says. It's what God says. And so when I choose to ignore it, um, then I'm choosing not to allow him to have full reign in my life and my marriage. Um, And he can't work through me and change things in those areas of my life if I don't do what he says. So it's been really interesting in both my husband and I, and it does talk to husbands as well. I wasn't going to do the whole <laughs> the whole thing in there, um, but definitely in a marriage when both parties um, are working on that together is key there. And so I just kind of wanted to share that, that verse with you guys, because that's been a verse that has really been on my mind and I've been mulling over um, and, and asking God to show me in the ways that I need to with his wisdom 
um, an inspiration from the Holy Spirit where I need to work on it. So I just thought I would go ahead and share that was the verse that has really been kind of playing a part in my thoughts lately. And then the other um, feature of the week that we do here on the podcast is what I'm reading because I love books, you guys. In fact, it's kind of funny. I was actually (laughs) right before I started recording, I was looking at all of the books that I have on the um, end table where I read. And I don't know about you guys, but I actually tend to read like five books at once, which I know is kind of probably weird. <laughs> but um, I usually have a fiction book that I'm reading. And I usually only read one fiction book at a time. And then I have like four or five nonfiction books that I'm reading. And I, and I kind of bounce between them all. Um, and some of them are devotionals where I, it's a page a day or a section a day. And others are just nonfiction um, educational things on blogging and writing and business and all that. So I was looking at my pile and I'm like, wow, I'm kind of reading a lot there (laughs) at one time. Um, But I just got done reading. It was one of those books that I stayed up way late past my bedtime. And I know that when a book will hold my attention that long, then that's one that I want to share with you guys. Because if it keeps me up past my bedtime, then I know it's really good. Or if I can't wait to get back to it the next night. And so Francine Rivers is one of my favorite fiction authors. I'm sure most of, a lot of you have probably heard of Francine because she's a very well-known New York Times bestseller author. And so I just finished reading um, the Marta's Legacy series. And so it's actually two books, but you can get it in on the Kindle um, you can get the the two books in one. So you just make one purchase and it's cheaper that way. And one of the things I love is Francine writes longer books. So they're usually about 500 pages, which I totally admire as an author because I don't know that I could write a 500 page book. That takes incredible skill and she does it great. It doesn't feel like it's too long. Um, in fact, I'm always like, oh, it's over when it's done. Kind of bummed because I really like it. So this book was really Great. And what I love is it, it starts by following um, the main character, Marta, and it starts in the early 1900s and it starts following her character. And it goes through three generations. So it goes through Marta and then her daughter and then her daughter's daughter. And it follows um, this family and it starts in Europe and then they come to Canada and and then they end up down in the U.S., down in California. And it was really incredible to watch and to read through because a lot of times, um, you know, we don't realize the way people are and react to it if we don't see the history or how they were raised. We just see the end product um, and we, we don't see necessarily the reasoning and the stuff behind it. And so it was really fascinating how she went through and showed just the whole of the family ties and how things were repeated, you know, in, in generations and families, you have a lot of behaviors that are learned or repeated and handed down. And so it just really went through all that. And it was just, it was fantastically done. And Christine is, or Francine is a Christian fiction author. And so there was a lot of showing how God worked through, despite um, these women's flaws and the mistakes that they made, how he worked through that and at the end brought it all together. And so it was just a great read. I couldn't put it down. So I highly recommend it. And I will provide a link to that in the show notes as well if you want to check that out. So thank you so much for joining me today. Um, If you have any comments on how you do broth or stock and have any tips to add to mine or to share with people, I would love to see that in the comments in the show notes um, because I end up learning a lot from your guys' comments and then other people do as well. So I would love to hear your tips. So please pop over there and leave your comments and you can find that at melissacanorris.com. Thank you.